your neighbor for the eggs. <laughs> yes, I paid my neighbor $5 for the eggs. Yeah, it seems reasonable. How much could five two eggs cost? <laughs> There's no way of knowing, but I assume $5 is an appropriate uh, amount. Did you take the money in the end? Well, no, she's like, no, no, I don't need it. And then she was holding the egg carton, so I just put it on her carpet and walked <laughs> away. I was like, goodbye. <laughs> she's so nice. It's very nice. Thank goodness for neighbors that you Truly. know who can I, give you eggs. Yeah. We were not going to go out in that rain. It is nasty out. No. Ugh. Impossible. Impossible. There's no way of doing it. Oh, eggs. Oh, eggs. <laughs> it's like... <sighs> you know what? We don't need to vamp for very long because I feel like I have a lot of notes. Okay, let's go. And this go. might take a while. Let's so, do this. Um, Welcome to Pantry Staples, everybody. The podcast where we dish on your favorite foods. And sometimes we don't take long to get right into it. Aren't you enjoying this? Shocked. Uh, nice. Right down to business. Tight. Oh, by the way, I'm Marika. And I'm Emily. <laughs> and today we're doing a cocktail. It's cocktail o'clock. Cocktail o'clock. Cocktail. Thank God. Ugh, you know, those are fun. Cocktails are so much fun to research. Because they're all nuts. I know. Just absolutely batshit. <laughs> I feel like the amount of times where I've written in my notes, and I'm, it's just going to come up and up again because it's in my notes, where it's going to be like, this story's probably fake, but who knows? still fun. <laughs> That's the thing. And to quote Amy when we were talking about the podcast earlier, she goes, isn't it nice where you have a platform where you can just say things and it doesn't need to be true? Yeah. What are 30, the 30 people who listen going to say? They don't give a shit. Our moms, they're not going to question us. <laughs> they might, but just <laughs> in private. Yeah, they, they're not going to call us out on the internet. Actually, that'd be hilarious. My mother. <laughs> <laughs> trying to blow our spot up. Yes. Today, I'm going to tell you, as per your <laughs> strict per request. My strict request. <laughs> oh, I wonder, what are we what are we learning about today, Marika? Do tell. Um, could it be... The Ramos Gin Fizz. Oh my god, I'm so surprised and absolutely delighted that this is what we're doing today. What a shock. I'll never recover. Um, you know what? It was a great suggestion. Thank you! I know. Incredible work. Incredible work. And I've never had one, so I'm excited to make one and hopefully not screw it up. <laughs> okay, the only time I've ever had one was when Mark made me one. And I was like, that's weird. But okay. He's Incredible. Like, Here you go. And it was so fucking good. By all accounts. They're incredible. It's like... Uh, I don't know, like an orange sherbet milkshake? Like, yeah. <sighs> so, Simply the best. Yeah. It's a dessert and a drink. We love a little portmanteau. Although some of the articles I was reading, they're like, yeah, it's like breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but like, think of the things that people serve for breakfast. Like, truly batshit crazy things. Yeah, I mean, it's like a milkshake with gin. Yeah. <laughs> and eggs. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need for breakfast. Yes. All right. I'm going to start off with the history of the fizz. Tell me everything. A fizz is a variation on the sour family of cocktails. Mm -hmm. Like sours, one of its key features is an acidic juice, mm -hmm. i.e. from a lemon. Mm -hmm. uh, but it has the added fizziness of carbonated water. You know I love me some carbonated water. Incredible. It's bubbling right between us right now. Here, shall I try and put it to the mic? Can you hear this? Probably not. Listen to my water. <laughs> uh, the fizz made its first appearance as a fizz F-I singular, singular Z. Whoa, um, no. I'm sorry. That's very peculiar. I don't like I it know. at all. 
In the uh, 1876 edition of Jerry Thomas's Bartender's Guide. Aww. You know, that classic book that we all know. <laughs> no, I feel like um, cocktails and something. Like, there's one Instagram mm. account that, like, recently posted, like, out with the old, or, like, out with the new, in with the old. And it was, like, getting rid of, like, Death & Co.'s, like, cocktail book and in with that specific one. I'm pretty Aww. sure that's what it is. That's fun. Yeah. Um, and fizzes were especially popular in New Orleans, as we will see shortly. A. The best known fizz is the gin fizz. Because mm-hmm. any of the other fizz is just like a general fizz. Like you can make a whiskey sour that's a fizz, like anything. You literally, it's just like making a sour, but you have carbonated water in it. Yes? Yes. And then no, not necessarily like the egg. Like it's literally just like sugar syrup, spirit, uh, like lemon or lime juice, carbonated water. Yeah. Uh, so a gin, and a gin fizz, yeah, is basically a Tom Collins with mm-hmm. soda water. Yeah. And, like, the more that I'm researching all of these old cocktails, the more that I realize that, like, they're all basically the same. Like, a Tom Collins is just a sidecar with gin. Mm-hmm. Just like a margarita is just a sidecar with tequila. <laughs> like, it's all yep. just... So you could spice up your basic gin fizz by adding egg white for a silver fizz. Ooh. Or you could add egg yolk and have a golden fizz. Ew. Or... Better or worse, depending on your tastes. You could add a whole darn egg for royal fizz. Oh, no. Um, Or on the less disgusting, in my opinion, side, you could replace the soda water with sparkling wine for a diamond fizz, better known as a French 75. Hell yeah. The most delicious. Truly. Uh, But going back to egg for a minute, because, I don't know, egg in cocktails, it's just like something we don't talk about enough. I suppose. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's one of those things, like, it's very common. Yeah. And I think we're seeing it, like, I don't know, it has, like, its peaks and valleys in totally. cocktail culture. And it can make a cocktail very, like, textural and delicious. Or it can be overused and, like, eggy tasting. It's one of those things I feel like where sometimes it's such a crutch, too. Like, we Ooh. go through these, like, trends where people are just like, here, I've put an egg white in it. <laughs> yes. Enjoy! And it's I feel the like- orange juice of Oh, gosh. Sorry. It's not not. I mean, and I feel like I've all been guilty of it. I feel like I went through a phase of bartending where it's like, I'm going to make a Negroni, but it says like a sour with like egg white. Sounds great, actually. It actually was pretty good. (laughs) Everything's delicious, but also it can be a crutch. Yeah. And it's just like, what are we doing? Like, why bother? Um, While looking up fizzes, I read this one article that went into, like, a huge diatribe about how to get egg white right in cocktails. Hmm. And I was like, wow, helpful. So I'm going to tell tell you some tips. Uh, So the number one tip is, of course, the dry shake. Mm -hmm. So that's when you're shaking all of your ingredients together without ice first and then shaking again with ice. Uh, The writer recommends wrapping a towel around your shaker for this, which is smart because shaking a fizz or sour (laughs) can be messy. The amount of times I've gotten egg in my hair at work is truly too many. Well, yeah, because it's all chemistry. So it's like when you're shaking egg whites, you're making them froth, which is making them expand, which is adding like pressure pressure inside the shaker and it's going to explode. Yeah. And subsequently eggy hair. Yeah. Or I mean, in the least, just like slowly bubble out and be like sticky and disgusting everywhere. Yeah. Almost Um, worse. Yes, but this leads to the other important thing, like with the shaking and expanding and exploding, is that like when you're shaking egg whites, you're basically making a meringue. Yeah. Which I feel like, I know it's simple, but that's never how I thought of it before. Do you mean is it simple syrup? Sorry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's like, honestly, it's fucking crazy. And also for anyone who's concerned, because it's like egg being like raw eggs and like dangerous. And it's like, first of all, like cowards. (laughs) Most, I don't know, in Canada, at least like salmonella is basically not a thing on eggs because of the way that we... I'm sorry, I had to drink. Do we? No, I was also halfway through saying this and being like, "Wait, is this not true?" I feel like it's true. No, yeah, we pasteurize things, so they're fine. Um, Also, alcohol—the alcohol when you're making it in a cocktail, like cooks the eggs practically. I mean, not really, but enough to quote Sheila Holmesworth: "Tequila kills everything." So does gin, exactly. Um, So yeah, so but the chemistry of it is so cool to me. So you need. Um, you want room temperature eggs mm-hmm. because like a meringue shaking up a cocktail foam, which is, I suppose, really sad because all egg white is kept like at fridge temperature in bars because it has to be for like health reasons. I know. But like, if you really want a good foam, you should keep those eggs at room temperature. How warm are those eggs right now? Cold as shit? Probably a little bit cold. We should, well, we'll wait a second. Okay. Hold them in our hands. Just under the armpits. <laughs> I was going to put them in my bra. <laughs> So yes, uh, when they're warmer, it's better. The proteins are too stable when they're cold, so it's mm. harder to shake up a foam. Uh, acid, so like your lemon juice, also helps to further break down the proteins so you can break them down, foam them up. Break it down, break it down. And you need to use actual sugar in order to make a stable foam. So like just adding triple sec or some other liqueur. Like sweet. sweet liqueur isn't enough. You need like a good... A thick, like, two-part sugar to one-part water simple syrup Hmm. for a good foam. Interesting. Yeah. I suppose that's also, like, part of the reason why the dry shake is so important, too. It's because it's removing that, like, temperature change that would cause those, like, bonds to strengthen. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, So there. That's Science Corner with Marika. Thank you. We enjoyed it. Never to be repeated. (laughs) (laughs) Back on to social history and booze. Yes. So, the Ramos Fizz, the Ramos Gin Fizz, is famously one of the most notoriously hated cocktails as far as bartenders are concerned. Mm -hmm. And as the name suggests, it is a variation on a gin fizz. But this isn't just any old add a whole egg (laughs) type of variation. This is an I sear gin, lemon juice, simple syrup, and soda water and raise you lime juice, orange blossom water, vanilla extract, egg white, and half and half cream. Just just so gross. <laughs> like, it's delicious, but it sounds so gross when you say it like that. It's just like, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine ingredients. Plus blood, sweat, and tears. Oh, yeah. It was invented by teetotaling bar owner Henry C. Ramos, and we'll get to him in a moment. What's teetotaling? That's when you don't drink, right? Exactly. Weird. Oh, yes. Um, in his... Uh, so it was invented in 1888 at the Imperial Cabinet Saloon in New Orleans. Nolens, darling. Nola. Um, the drink was originally called the New Orleans Fizz, but mm. I guess that was too general for a city full of fizzes. Or Yeah, plus he wants the credit. I think everyone just wanted to give him credit. Which fair should. Yeah. Honestly, maybe so that they could like, write their hate letter somewhere specific. Well, Fuck you, I had to shake this forever. Um... Yeah, in fact, the original recipe apparently stipulated for a 12-minute shake. Yeah, I've heard this, and every time I'm like, hmm. This is why earlier when I was like, are you sure you're in good enough sh- like spirits right now to shake this cocktail? 
It's like not, it's not a joke. I'm not shaking it for 12 minutes. That's insane. You have to do it for 12 minutes. I refuse. I'll shake it for 12 minutes. It's not necessary. I don't think it is either, but we have to do it properly. Oh my goodness. I have a recipe that we're going to follow later, mm. which is how I feel like doing it. Um, okay. So yes. <laughs> a riff on a riff on <laughs> I'm not doing the ri- I'm not. Anyway, 12 minutes. And it was so popular that the Imperial Cabinet Saloon employed 20 bartenders at once just to shake up enough of them. <laughs> there is one uh, one story that says that Ramos created an assembly line of shaker boys who would shake a cocktail for one minute each, passing the drink along in line in order to preserve stamina. So you have 12 assholes in a line, one minute here, one minute there, and then they only, like, they don't take another cocktail up. They just wait until that one's finished well yes and as you've just your attempt to it doesn't make sense no there's no way it's true because it's like it makes much more sense to have someone just shake for 12 minutes rather than and then take a break until someone else ordered it yeah yeah um but uh i love it and if they maybe did did this did do this i'm sure it was like just for a fun show because that's a fun show that is a fun show and there seems to be no end of apocryphal stories when it comes to this drink and especially Ramos himself, who seems like a caricature of an old-timey bar t- barman. I love it. So, Henry C. Ramos. Who was he? He was known as Carl to his friends. Okay. He doesn't seem like a Carl. No. The first thing that most articles mention about him is that he, ironically, didn't like to drink. <laughs> and there was one quote that was like, he just liked to mix things up. He just liked to mix things up. It's honestly oh, so cute. Um, that is really cute. He moved to New Orleans uh, from his native Indiana when he and his brother purchased the Imperial Cabinet Saloon in 1887. People were just doing things back then, hey? They're just like, might as well own a saloon, fuck it. I mean, I think that they'd been in like beer things. I don't know. Oh, okay. So it's like, it made sense. In my also, mind, I'm like, they just graduated from farming and now they're <laughs> just like, I don't know. They're saloon boys. <laughs> Should we just buy a saloon? Um, I don't know. Also, the Imperial Cabinet Saloon is such a silly name to me. It's the most insane. It sounds fake. It does. It sounds like it's just the front on it. And then <laughs> you walk through and you're like, why am I in an empty lot with yeah. just 12 boys in a gang shaking things? Just like intense eye contact. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, as a gentleman who hated disorderliness and drunkenness, Ramos, of, co- of course, closed his bar um, every evening at the very reasonable hour of 8 p.m. Oh, my God. In order to discourage all night benders. This man's a killjoy for the party. What the heck, man? <laughs> I know. He was only open for two hours on Sundays in the afternoon and only because his clientele begged him. <laughs> Otherwise, he was like, no, no. Not on the good Lord, say. Uh, not only were the hours strict, but so were the rules, and they only accepted the most well-behaved of patrons. This bar blows! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's... We wouldn't be allowed in. <laughs> No, and that's mostly why I'm angry. Apparently, Ramos would spend a lot of time talking to his guests, but not necessarily because that's just like generally good practice for like a bartender or bar owner, but because he wanted to test whether they were too drunk to continue to be served. He's just going up to everyone like, you, who's the president? You, 10 plus 12. You, what's your mama's name? I mean, it's funny, like reading in an article, when especially when they're talking about like New Orleans and like the 19th century, 
And it sounds like, what a crazy thing. This man talked to his guest to determine their inebriation levels. It's like, no, that's literally just like serving it right. This is responsible beverage service. And it's what we, this is what all restaurants and bars do now. It's just so easy to make fun of him. Oh, of course. And just like the idea. And like, I think also the way, like the semi, like not hysterics, but the way that these articles are written where they're Mm -hmm. like, what a man. Like, isn't it crazy? Like the contradictions, like he didn't like people to be drunk, (laughs) but he owned a bar. (laughs) I know. I got to stop reading like Thrillist. (laughs) I love it though. I love it so much. Also, just, like, probably the reason he invented this cocktail was because it's really hard to get drunk on it because it takes 12 fucking minutes to get to you. Um, literally, you might be right because... Oh. I know. And it's, like... It's, like, it's kind of cute when you get down to, like, some of his, like, reasonings and stuff. So, in 1928, the New Orleans Item Tribune wrote, quote, Nobody could get drunk at the Ramos Bar. Not only because old Henry wouldn't let them, but because drunkenness would take away their appreciation of the drinks. That's really cute. It's like, he was just like, no, I don't want you to get drunk. I, I just really to... like mixing. It's like, I just want you to enjoy the nice flavors I've created. Like, think of the dimension. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Basically, he just cared so much. And he wanted people to just, like, have a nice time. Oh, I'm sorry, Henry. I know. So, not surprisingly, this firm law-abiding man um, would follow the rules, even if it cost him what was, by all accounts, a booming business. The Imperial Cabinet Saloon closed up shop in 1919 when Ramos became a staunch supporter of Prohibition. Aww. He was just like, nope, we're all done. That's so sad. I know. (laughs) And apparently, and again, all of cocktail stories, it's like, it's all tall tales. I can't believe it. But apparently Ramos guarded his Fizz's secret recipe until his death, only revealing it to the New Orleans Tribune days before he passed. Hmm. Grain of salt with that one. Yeah, of course it makes no fucking sense. If you had 20 bartenders shaking up, like, these cocktails all night. He just, like, NDA, NDA, NDA. It's like, is it the kind of thing, does the shaker boys thing, where it's like, you only get to put in one part of the rest? <laughs> Maybe that's why they have the assembly line. Oh, my goodness. It's like in, like, nuclear power plants. <laughs> oh, my God. I think that's the theory I'm going to go with. Perfect. Hmm. I accept. Thank you. They all... <laughs> no, it's... Like a glory hole box, but it's just to pass the cocktail through. Oh my god. It's because they can't see what ingredient they're adding. No, you can't know. No one must know. No. One must know. Uh, no. Uh, so unlike, say, the long bar, long bar in Singapore, the mm-hmm. Imperial Cabinet is no more. But you could go to New Orleans and have a Ramos Fizz at its second home, the Sazerac Bar in the mm. Roosevelt Hotel. I really want to go to New Orleans. I can't eat anything. I knew you were going to say that. I say it every time. Every time. I feel like you can. Beignets. Just eat beignets. Yeah, and drink. Well, yes. I'm not saying no. You went to Paris. You couldn't eat anything there. I feel like Paris. There were so many vegan restaurants in Paris. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, Roosevelt Hotel. Built in 1893. Originally called the Hotel Grunewald. Grunewald. But it was renamed in 1923 in honor of President Theodore, Teddy, the bear murderer, Roosevelt, (laughs) as a thank you for his spearheading of the Panama Canal. Oh my God. Because apparently the Panama Canal was big business for New Orleans. 
Uh, anyway, the hotel uh, itself, which is now under the Waldorf Astoria umbrella. Hmm. So that's fun. Call back to those. Those fun folk. The fine folk. Fine folks at the Waldorf. Um, <laughs> it's important to us now because the Sazerac Bar was a favored hangout for Louisiana or former Louisiana governor Huey Long. What is that face? Who's Huey Long? Huey Long is a man surrounded by perhaps even more mythical stories than Ramos himself. Tell me more. He was such a huge fan of the Sazerac Bar's Ramos Fizz that in 1935, he supposedly brought bartender Sam Gorino with him to the New Yorker Hotel in New York City so that Sam could train the bartenders there on how to mix the drink. <laughs> Okay, do you know what the thing about this is, though? Is that this is the exact same sort of thing that, like, some asshole rich person would do today who's just like, no, nobody makes my drink like this bartender. You need to come with me and teach them. And then the bartender gets there and he's like, hi, guys. Like, this is my drink. They're like, oh, so it's three dashes of bitters, not four? It's like, yeah, and he, like, really needs a big ice cube. Like, calm down about it. And he wants you to shake it 12 times. Like, <laughs> 12 minutes. Just do it and he'll shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, it's the I need a Bonnie. <laughs> oh, I need a Bonnie. That's my favorite story. I know, it's the best. Um, I would also be saying that this is about as reasonable and truthful as Ramos guarding the secret mm -hmm. until his death, except that Wikipedia claims that the Museum of the American Cocktail, which who knew that existed? Yeah, we Can gotta we go. go? Um, has newsreel footage of this training session. <laughs> oh. So, I don't know. All right, then. So that's fun. That's uh, super cute. Yes. So Hugh, who was this man? Huey, who cared enough about a drink to fly a bartender to the Big Apple. Huey Long, nicknamed the Kingfish. The Kingfish. <laughs> was governor of Louisiana from 1928 until 1932, and U.S. Senator from 1932 until he was, spoiler alert, assassinated in 1935. It was the bartender. <laughs> like, I can't. It's all the bartenders that he yelled at about not shaking his cocktail enough. <laughs> they all grouped together. They grouped together, and it was a... A baton passing of... <laughs> I literally was going to say, it's like midnight on the Orient Express. Yes. They all stab him once. Oh. They're like, this is my 10 shakes. They club him with a cocktail shaker. Yeah, exactly. Or a muddler. Mm, There's no good. muddler in there. He was actually like, kind of a cool dude. I mean, He yeah. was a left-wing populist who gained infamy oh. for openly criticizing FDR's New Deal the other Roosevelt. Interesting. Arguing that it did not go far enough to help citizens in need during the Great Depression. Hmm. He was like, nope. Gotta do more. What a shocking twist in this story. I know. During his time in office, he expanded social programs and pushed forward major public works like a modern highway system. He built the tallest Capitol building in the US. Bitches need a tall building. Gotta have it. It's mm -hmm. almost like <laughs> phallic symbols aren't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Huey saw as getting shit done, his opponents viewed as dictatorial. <laughs> and I mean, well, I'm not one to like agree with Republicans. <laughs> um, they might not have been totally wrong. Uh, as soon as he was elected as governor, he fired a bunch of people and replaced them with his supporters, which is like pretty Classic. normal practice. Like whatever, everyone does that. 
except that each of these new employees who depended on Long for their jobs were expected to pay a portion of their salary back to his campaign come next election. That's so messed up. Um, he was like almost impeached because they're like, um, sir, you can't just like take our money. Basically like become chancellor of Louisiana. That's really um, good. Yeah. And it's like, it's the classic where I'm like, yeah, but all of the things that he's doing are, like, good. And, like, fuck, finally someone's doing something. Like, can't get mad at a bitch for trying. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I was... <laughs> I got distracted, so I didn't write down all of these cool, like... I don't know. It's... I, he contains multitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, he started this whole thing called Share Our Wealth, which was trying to, like, cap fortunes. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, and like limit annual income to one million dollars and cap individual inheritances at five million. And it was like all of this stuff. Um he yeah, it was obviously like he was about to run as a he was running as a presidential candidate against FDR. Wow. In nineteen thirty-five. And the whole like Roosevelt team was uh stressed. <laughs> No shit. Because <laughs> he had a lot of support. He, I mean, was kind of doing some shady shit. He was, like, trying to pass a bill that was going to get this judge, like, out of his position. I'm sure the judge was a dick. Um, but then the judge's son-in-law uh, shot him. Shot hmm. Long. I will say that that's pretty good evidence for the judge being a dick. Yeah. And then Long's bodyguards... Who were nicknamed the Cossacks, which mm. seems problematic. Yeah, troubling. <laughs> um, they shot like they shot the son-in-law like sixty times, <laughs> and then it's because he'd been specifically instructing them that's how many times you shoot. You just keep shooting. <laughs> you keep shaking, or you keep shooting. <laughs> uh, yeah, and like as always, there's some um, evidence where they're like, yeah, it might have just been like a ricocheting bullet that killed him. Like his bodyguards like accidentally shot him. <laughs> but he was so he was like shot in the torso, and then he ran down a flight of stairs, hailed himself a cab, <laughs> took himself to the hospital where they like did surgery. But it was the 30s, so he died of internal bleeding. Hmm. And wow. then. FDR's team were like, this is the sign that we were supposed to win. It's like, um, guys, are you sure? It's a providential occurrence, is the quote. Uh, Everything about that story is insane. There's so much insane things, but it's like, yeah. Anyway, he was like kind of a cool guy and he loved this drink. I'm obsessed. <laughs> and um, I, when I was first researching this, I was like, is this like a man of like Asiatic heritage? But no, white people are named Huey <laughs> and last names long. Interesting. Cause I was also thinking that I was like, huh, weird that they're, they have an Asian person running for president at this time. I feel like that would have been a tough one. No, it's Huey as in Lewis and the news, not Ew. like Huey. Hmm. All right. So yeah. <laughs> Waste of time then. I know. Tragic. Okay. So, Ramos Fizz, in modern times, bartenders hate to do it. Takes a long time to shake. 
I feel like bartenders hate making anything, though. One time I had a bartender complain, being like, ugh, there's three different cocktails on this bill. And I'm like, that's your motherfucking job. <laughs> Sorry. And, and we will get to that in a second because I have some great quotes as much as I was just dissing Thrillist earlier. But then it's like, so yes, you've got to do like 12 minute shake time. It's a bit ridiculous. And then you also get recipes that are written like this, which is the recipe that I'm going to do later because... God bless you, Difference Guide, <laughs> and this pure p poetry. Um, but, okay, here we are. Quote, shake the first eight ingredients with ice and strain back into shaker. Dry shake and slowly pour two-thirds of contents of the shaker from higher than normal height into a chilled, empty glass while simultaneously pouring soda with the other hand. The cocktail and soda should form a single stream of liquid falling into the glass, as when pouring a Guinness, to achieve a perfect head on a Ramos gin fizz, the cocktail should be left to settle for at least a minute before topping off with, with what remains in the shaker. Ideally, during the resting period, the glass should be placed in a froster, fridge, or freezer. As the final contents of the shaker are poured into the glass, the head should rise like a souffle. What a magical cocktail sound. It sounds gorgeous. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you're shaking. You've got two things coming together, forming a stream. And Ooh. and then you're going to leave it for a minute in a fridge. Who has the time? Who has the time? Bartenders don't have the time. Oh. Or the fridge space, I just assume. <gasps> Imagine. Oh, my God. Someone's going to just, like, throw in a beer and knock oh. it over. And you're going to have to spend another 12 minutes shaking the goddamn thing. Plus an hour cleaning the fridge. Oh, with milk no. and egg? No. And syrup? No. Ugh. Fired. So here are some shortcuts taken by some modern bartenders. Shortcuts? You gotta have a shortcut. Come on. Who We're not the doing time? shortcuts. I'm not gonna do a short shortcut. Okay. But if you're a bartender and you have to make like 75 of these for tourists. Oh no. You might use a whisk ball as one was would for protein shakes. Ah, uh, yeah. Good to call. Extra fluff. Um, or just put it in a heckin' blender. Yeah. Seems like a better idea. For sure. They didn't have those in the 1888s. Who knows? So, fair enough. You put one of those little frothy things in. Yeah. <sighs> um, there's also this incredible quote from Paul Gustings. Gustings? Who, at the time of the Thrillist article, had been bartending in New Orleans for 35 years. <gasps> He's dead now. And he says, quote, I don't think it needs to be shaken for 12 minutes. That's a bunch of baloney. <laughs> so, great. Thank um, you, sir. And so here's his shortcut. He puts everything, including the soda water, together in the shaker, shakes it three times, and then he lets it sit in the glass. And he's just like, it's fine. And apparently he can whip one out in less than three minutes. But they're not as good, though. <laughs> apparently they are. Okay, should we do both ways and see? Oh my goodness, we can try. Yeah, I love that. Okay, perfect. It's like, so if he can do all of this in like less than three minutes, this is why maybe why he had this quote to say when people roll their eyes at the Ramos Gin Fizz. He says, quote, no one should whine about it. In the time it takes to complain, you could make the cocktail. I mean, it takes a little while, but other things take a little while. I make Ramos Gin Fizzes all the time. The only reason I say no is if I run out of ingredients. Aw. So... Bless you, sir. Bless you, Mr. Gustings. And you're right. It could be worse. It could be worse. It could be a mojito. <laughs> I feel like that's the note we end on. Oh, absolutely. That was the last thing. Now I'm gonna make them. My arms really hurt after that. 
Like, I feel like I have tennis elbow, but I think it's Ramos elbow now. It's like, and we shook for a solid maybe three minutes. Three minutes total. Two separate drinks. Okay, ready? Cheers. Cheers. It's like having a float. There's a piece of egg in mine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I'm so sorry. That's so gross. (laughs) So it's going well. Um, Okay, well now that I'm afraid... Do you want to switch? Mine doesn't. No. Hmm. I mean, it's delicious. Are you enjoying the ASMR? <laughs> Honestly, yeah. this slaps. It frothed? Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't rise like a souffle. I We had it in, wrong, in the wrong glass, I think. We needed, like, I think it would have been better if we had, like, a taller, skinnier glass, because mm-hmm. then there's more yeah, that's poof fair. to poof. Because the one I've had before, it was, like, fully out of the cup. Mm-hmm. I think it would have happened. It was just... Mm. It had too much space to dissipate in mm. the, the whiskey glass. That's fair. Yeah, this is fucking great. Yeah, it tastes like sherbet. Mm-hmm. Exactly like sherbet. And not as sweet as I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is great. 10 out of 10. The pitfalls that we expected, you know? The shaker almost exploding. I have a little bit of egg on my face. <laughs> Just a smidge. All right. Well, this has been another fantastic episode of Pantry Staples, your favorite podcast and mine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you for listening, everybody. You can follow us on Instagram at Pantry Staples Pod. Maybe we'll post a video of us attempting to cross the streams. (laughs) (laughs) Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your foes. And uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye.